0: Greetings, Meltopians! If you've become enthralled by the dark wastes and nightscapes of Meltopia, and want to further explore its Stygian depths, consider joining our Patreon. For two dollars a month you could become a Meltopian and gain access to the darkest artworks, as well as written mythos pieces contained in the Melgrim, entries in Maltopia's own dark encyclopedia, and the legendary Corpus Diabolos, an elite publication containing essays written by the most esteemed dark scholars. For $5 a month, become a feared mailsayer, and gain early access to episodes on the Maltopia and Sleepwake Cycle podcasts and listen to new episodes of our audio series, Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and The Weird Book. And for $10 a month, join the Ranks of the Malsapien, where you can listen to our Patreon-exclusive podcast, October's Children, as well as gain access to found recordings discovered throughout the world in The Weird Tapes. But if you're not ready to delve into the pitch just yet, and would rather swim the shallows to test the blackened waters... You can explore our public page which contains our entire backlog of Tales of Meltopia, The Lost Library, and the Weird Book, episodes from the Meltopia Podcast, which all together number over a hundred episodes. So, whether you want to become a full denizen of the dark, or simply peruse the public archives, come visit us at patreon.com forward slash Meltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. Now was shocked today as police arrived to investigate two grisly crime as say the women's feet were sewn together at the bottom of the to images of each other. a of
2: I admired Autumn City. It pressed harder against the taut skin of the dead world more than any other place I had ever been, revealing visions more often left to dreams than to the waking senses. I walked down streets thickly lined with the city's unique trees, whose leaves always burned orange and yellow, disavowing their place in the order of the seasons, gathering ghosts as surely as heathen bonfires. Everywhere I went, there whispered a wind that carried the perfume of autumn decay, and I wondered if Jack Lantern hadn't been partially successful in his bid against banality. The city was most visible, revealed, during the smolder of twilight. It seemed to fume along with the sun, a brother wrapped in autumnal fire, burning spectral and silent, standing sentinel over the eternal fall. The spectacle was staggering. Everywhere dreams of fire, yearning to burn down the sky, desperate to sear through the heavy rot of a dead world. And yet, each time the forest was set ablaze, it would inevitably replace back into banished dream to rage in silence, isolated and impotent. Jack Lantern certainly didn't want to die by my hand. But neither did he wish to kill me by his. I could feel the conflict burning him as brightly as any smile he had ever set aflame. Yet regardless of those feelings, he was busy preparing a magnificent stage upon which we would soon perform. I simply waited for him to finish. I sat for some time in an untended pumpkin patch beneath a barn that looked on the verge of collapse sharpening my sister's beaming grins and basking in the undimmed wonder of things to come. The twilight worked on the eternally autumnal trees of the September woods like a bellows upon fire, scarlet and shadow creeping out of the surrounding woods, pooling dim and deep all around. Finally, I rose and walked beneath the burning ceiling of the forest, as I knew the time for waiting had ended. But for the characteristic heaviness that betrays the waking world, I might have thought I was in a dream. The forest was otherworldly, breaching almost completely out of death. It was difficult to imagine, but necessary to realize that the September Woods was not my friend, but quite the opposite. It was my sworn enemy. Perhaps more opposed than even Jack himself, for my opponent served the woods, loved it and was loved in return. It would not be kind to me, and it would not give up its hero easily. Somewhere deep in the woods, I saw what seemed like a bit of twilight caught within the tree branches, incapable of descending with the sun, bobbing in the ink. The closer I drew to the spot, the more of these lights I saw. Eventually they spread out wide before me, like the glowing, beating heart of the September woods. I was so taken by the lights, I'd failed to notice that the wind had picked up, increasing in strength by the moment. Before I had time to properly react, great squalls of wind bearing dead leaves that felt like razor blades held me aloft in the air. I was nearly immobilized. The wind thickened the faster it gusted, until I felt as if I were being crushed within a gigantic hand, in addition to being torn to bloody shreds by the whipping, serrated leaves. I needed a moment of clarity, a space to operate. My father delivered me into such a space. It took all my strength to reach him, and when my hands wrapped around familiar bones, a great rage came into me. The resulting blow from the axe upon the thick wind was as deafening as an alien. A shriek rose from the woods itself, lifting into the sky, howling and climbing, gaining volume. The injured, or perhaps merely offended, wind was fast becoming a swirling storm as lightning flashed through the fiery canopy. I withdrew the seeds I'd hidden in the lining of my coat. Seeds cut from the apple I'd stolen from the black orchard, and threw them into the night. The effect was immediate, just as I'd hoped. The lightless garden of Undur came into the shadows, spreading searching tendrils, flinching at the lightning, leaping across the darkness. All around me, a great war raged between the incipient alien darkness of Undur and the orange god of the September woods glory everywhere, and I was damned to leave it behind. I wandered for some time, drawing closer to the previous globes of lost twilight, listening to the din of war. Within moments, the hanging blocks of amber materialized. An incredible portion of the forest was strung with human jack-o'-lanterns, cloaking the night beneath the waft of stolen twilight, glowing mouths grinning night back into dusk. And then came music, from where I do not know. But it was my music, from my dream, from my memory, melodies made from my soul. Everywhere a magic lantern show spun into life, no doubt cast from hollowed out eyes. The shapes equally pilfered from my dreams, all of them moving to the music, outlining my life in undying autumn. I was a fool. I'd failed to reckon my opponent, for Jack proved more prepared than I could have ever imagined. He would overwhelm me utilizing every one of my dreams he could conjure. He threw wonder at me as a squid throws black clouds of ink. I could barely see for all the reverie stuff beneath the ceiling of the forest. Even my own trick with the seeds had served to bolster his attack. Gods of fall and darkness warring beneath eternal trees of smoldering twilight. The forest of endless Halloween strung with the sights and sounds of my own spirit. The finale of a cosmic contest of infinite death. All of it falling beneath the watchful eye of a god of murder. It was all too much. Jack Lantern was nowhere to be seen, but his words were loud and clear. Happy Halloween, Donald. I was almost too stunned to answer. Jack, my God, what have you done? Jack's somber words came from everywhere around me. I'm afraid, in the end, you're only a machine,
1: Donald. Just like the rest of us. Machines can be understood inside and out. To defeat a machine, you need only know what it's made of. How it works. While your construction is nearly pure chaos, I at last found your dreams. The numbers that define you make you who you are. Deny the possibility of real life. For that, more than anything else, I am sorry, for both
2: of us. Jack was crying. It refocused me. But for how long, I couldn't say. I know what you're feeling, I said. I've felt it all my life, Jack. It's the beating of a void-shaped heart. The nothingness at the center of all things. But I can quiet it for everyone, even you. The machine is nothing but a stiffened corpse, moving for movement's sake, kinetic banality. But all machines have makers, my friend. There is a dream behind the machine. I can show you, but first, you must sleep. I quickly plunged into the shadows, using my sadness, my imminent grief and regret to shield me from the paralyzing spectacle. My sister smiled silence into my shadow. My father stoked his cataclysmic rage. I needed this to end. I couldn't take much more. Despite my best efforts, Jack discovered me easily enough, as he knew the shadowed woods as well as his carving knives and he went to impressive lengths to demonstrate both facts. His movements were like polished jewels beneath the moon, glittering into life, and just as quickly dying back into the darkness. I couldn't focus my mind, lost as it was to the forest of dreams. My every move was foreshadowed by the sights and sounds of my own soul. The chill autumn breeze became the cold sting of Jack Lantern's knives. His blades moved through my body with an impossible swiftness, and with my mind so displaced my sisters could only manage to deny them a killing death. I required the few blows I could land to matter, and so my father rose into my hands. He needed to strike, but once. The massive axe crashed through saplings, brambles, and even felled several eternal trees. But my opponent was ever beyond my father's reach. Always just a streaking mask in the dim fade of reddened knives. He was like a scream in the night, everywhere and nowhere. It soon became apparent that I was losing. While I had resisted most of his attacks, the sum of his lesser gains had relieved me of much blood. I had all but fallen when I finally saw the Carver of Souls clearly. He was standing only inches from me, floating in the darkness, wearing his true face, that in his madness he'd mistaken for a mask. I had perhaps a second to act. My sister flew, hissing through the space once occupied by the Carver, as I tumbled into a cleverly hidden hole. Twilight turned to night as the blackness swallowed me into its cramped belly. I soon realized I'd become the contents of a small cage of steel bars. I was too weakened to attempt to leap from the trap before the lid was slammed shut and sealed. I wrapped my hands around the bars, channeling the red dream as much as I was able. But the cage was bound by the will of the woods. I could not break free. Finally, I looked up to see Jack standing above me, just a pale wisp dissolving into the night. "'You can't
1: kill me, Donald,' he said. "'And I won't kill you. The only way to properly put a stop to this foolishness, I'm afraid, is to keep you locked up tight, like a dirty secret. This way, Halloween won't end. You must be my monkey wrench in the works, I'm afraid.'
2: His words were almost too heavy for him. This was not how he wanted things to end between us. You should have asked me, Donald, he said, the holes of his eyes wet and regretful. I would have said yes. I know was all I could muster. The view from between the bars brought me into the gravity of forsaken memories. My sins. Here was irony. Karma, fate, and perhaps, should there be such a thing, justice. Donald Alexander Graves, left to the cold and dark of a small cage, forever. Yet this could not be my ending. I recalled my mother's words to me so long ago. All that
3: ever was, or could be, whispers its soul into the sound of silence. And the only thing you will ever need to do
2: to know anything at all is to listen. And so I listened as never I had to the silence of it all, to the spaces between the trees, the rocks, granules of dirt, atoms, cause and effect. I not only listened but conjured as well. And with silence came her sister, Shadow. I pulled the night down all around me, its soundless silks falling across my shoulders. I became the secret the universe keeps to itself, the story that dies in the telling. I became freedom. Before Jack knew how, I was upon him, using a trick I had learned from a certain magician, the son of a witch. He tried to melt back into the night, but I had to be faster, just this once. My sisters were already within him, making merry with the red, wet toys of his body. Yet just as they drew upon the doors to his heart, they were swept away, tumbling through thickets lit by dead orange smiles. After his blades disarmed me, they went for my eyes. Sight is the least potent of my senses, but certainly among the most valued. Jack had a way with eyes, a practiced dexterity that could turn them into triangles of bleeding amber candlelight. I grabbed his wrist and snapped it, the carving knife falling away just as it grazed my cornea. With his other knife, he tore my father from my back, sending him spinning into the branches beyond his path outlined in the fire of his rage. With my naked hand, I seized the remaining blade, moving down its length until what was left of my grip closed over his wrist. I snapped that one as well. Wasting no time, I used my weight to crush him against the trunk of a tree, holding his arms outstretched. I couldn't allow him to slip free. His speed was many times my better, and even with broken wrists, his knives could find their way back to my eyes, and then some. Face to face, I could feel our mutual sadness and what needed to happen. He was about to speak, the smallest sound leaving his lips. But I couldn't listen to any more. I sank my teeth into both of his faces, shattering plastic and enamel. His hand managed to slip free in the collision. The blade it barely held sank deeply across my neck. I only pushed my broken teeth deeper, splitting his mass and tearing his flesh. I swallowed, feeling the chunks fall from the gaping hole he'd opened in my throat. As I had with all my family, I merely closed my eyes and devoured him. Once Jack had gone still, the forest's night dead, I lowered what was left of my friend to the ground. By the glow of countless dead smiling faces, I looked upon the thing that once walked with me in a dream. Even dead, Jack Lantern was only barely discernible as a man. I defied gravity for only an instant longer, my body collapsing under its own weight. With my ear to the ground, I could detect the faint tread of something approaching. And I could hear the dream of wolves, now complete and fully joined. It came from everywhere. It was coming from me. A door was opening, a crack in the woods at first. And then, and then death itself. The lights of the other side merged with the burning trees of the woods. The bright dead smiles of an eternal Halloween, in my blood were mixed with Jack's. The woods went red with dream. I saw them gathered before me. The wolves, Molly, Janice, the prince, Mr. Hyde, the legendary Jack Lantern, and all the rest. Their hunger filled me, became me. We were all together again for the first time. I could feel them overwhelming the banks of my body, shadows moving in my blood, secrets searching out my mind. I went to my family where they lay, taking them up. My sisters' sweet laughter filled my soul, their smiles half-moons made whole inside me. Father's fire became my bones, unbreakable, his thunder, my voice. I stood victorious beneath the whispering fires of an endless September in a dream of wolves. The next moment was filled with the perfume of burning flowers and a voice, a voice that couldn't be. My wonderful boy, my red son.
3: Hey, this is Mark Anzalone, the author of The Red Sun, and you just listened to the very last episode of the very first book. Um, I just wanted to jump on real fast to say, one, thank you very much for uh, listening to our podcast. Um, We started this with very little expectation, and it's kind of exploded, and we, of course, have you to thank for that. The second thing I wanted to say was, fear not, the Shepherd of Wolves story continues with the Red Mother narration, which some of you may uh, be enjoying right now. And we also have a brand new series and short stories in the works that we'll be narrating as well. Uh, I'm currently working on one now tentatively titled The Sapiens, and uh, it's fair to say I'm pretty excited about that. And for those of you who enjoy some visuals with your narrations, um, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we put all the stories out and... Uh, all of them get the original animated artwork uh, treatment. And uh, so even though the first story of the Shepherd of Wolves series is ending, um, just wanted to take a minute to encourage you to check out uh, some of our other work, and uh, that would be both here and elsewhere, Uh, and to assure you that we'll be producing even more content for as long as you guys uh, enjoy listening to it. And um, a big thank you from Steve Walker and myself here at Maltopia, and thank you so much. And we'll uh, we'll see you in the next one.